Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. March is once again upon us, meaning that degenerate gamblers and complete know-nothings alike are all focused on one thing, brackets, which is why we're digging in and setting up our own type of madness as we journey through four decades of professional wrestling to find the top performer of the past 40 years. We kick it all off with that decade of decadence, greed, and cocaine. The 1980s in this, let me tell you something, brother, episode 127. I am your Uncle Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who always does what's best for the business, even if it means doing the job. He has been my partner in EDC for over two decades and is desperately trying to get the abdominal stretch over once again. I give you the man they call Tim. Oh, yeah. Dig it. I'm going to talk in the constipated tones of Macho Man this entire episode. That man just needed some fiber. That's what it really was. He just needed more fiber in his diet, and it would have been a totally different character. Like, oh, yeah, the Macho oh, Man. Like, <laughs> or it could be the George Takai version. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, just 30 years of just bound up like probably ate like a block of cheese from breakfast every morning i mean man it could have all been so easily averted but uh how are you doing sir i'm well i'm doing well uh fresh off a a energetic workout tonight with my trainer yes uh, feeling good feeling fit uh looking forward to breaking down these these wrestling brackets and uh and, and getting into a little uh week in geek territory sir so uh i am armed and ready as we all know, the the highfalutin lifestyle that the man they call Tim lives, he has his own personal gym, much like The Rock. Uh, if you Indeed. if you follow Dwayne Johnson on on the uh, on the Instagram, that's mm-hmm. what that's what Tim's gym looks like. It's just that's right. Iron Paradise Two, and that's uh, right. his his trainer comes in and you know gets the chains on him and all that stuff. It's uh, he even has I, the short shorts that The Rock has, which is uh, quite frightening. But, you know, well, it is what it is. Know. Makes you feel good. <laughs> it bounce, blinds bounce anyone who comes uh, into the room. Like, ah, bounce, have you ever seen the sun? Off the glutes. <laughs> hey, that's that's my gimmick. <laughs> I'm working my way up so it'll be like uh, a silver dollar. I can handle hey, that. Bang! You, you, you would be proud of me. Uh, we went to, uh, my wife and I went to uh, uh, Ditka's uh, here in our, our local town. Uh, and uh, As you do. Instead of getting a steak like I typically get, I usually get the New York Strip, medium rare, mm-hmm. uh, with some roasted mushrooms. Uh, they had a halibut special uh, that was recommended by the waiter, and he did not steer me wrong. His selling point... His father tried it and said it was phenomenal. So I said, well, let's see if uh, your father is right. And I have no quarrel with this man's father after having that meal. So I had a very nice uh, fish-based meal. Uh, and, uh, yeah, a little cheesecake at the end. Uh, 
Of course, there had to be some cheese. Exclamation I mean, cause... mark. Had some deviled eggs to start with. Thought of you, sir. Of course. Where where do you find this? Is this like a Chicago <laughs> thing? It's like deviled eggs everywhere. No, I just I think you just need to look in the right places. I mean, you know, I'm coming out out east uh, in a couple of weeks, and uh, I was looking around at some restaurants, and I'm like, what are you talking about? There's deviled eggs. Got to look at the right restaurant, man. Where? So- what restaurants are you going? Well, then again, you you live in a, a much higher you know society <laughs> level than I do. You don't go to places that have dollar menus uh, down in, <laughs> down in Portsmouth. Uh, you know the the, the I, I think it's called the Liberty or is it called the Library? The Liberty? I don't know something like the that. Library. Oh yeah, up. the Library. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 You're going to the cheap place. I go to the grilled cheese place in Portsmouth. That's where I go to. <laughs> that's that's about the top. That's my idea of high society right there. Oh man. All right, as before long this devolves, they serve your fish sandwich in a basket. So. Oh my gosh, I, I'm surprised that your body even knows how to break down fish. Like anything that isn't like a bovine or with a protein. with a hoof, I'm it's surprised that your body just doesn't kick it back. <laughs> oh like, yeah, ah, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> All right, before this becomes uh, too food centric, uh, yes. we are going to get on to a little thing that we call the week in geek. The week in. So funky. And uh, this is going to be a very special week in Geek because uh, you really didn't have to do number anything one. for this one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah number, basically. Number one, there's one topic. All uh, we have to do actually, is just uh, watch some Picard. I know, which I was just going to say, wasn't that a beautiful moment when he turned to Riker and he's like, I think it's about time you called me number one. <laughs> I thought <laughs> that, that was, was great. phenomenal. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and actually tonight I think is episode four is probably uh, up on the Paramount Plus. Um, That's but, right. Uh, yeah, just just wanted to break it on down and uh, get your thoughts because I got to be honest, this uh, wow, this I mean, we knew going into this we'd have the you know the next generation cast and it's it's going to be the the final season of of. Uh, you know, of this series, but uh, my goodness, uh, what a change in tone and pacing. And I'm just, I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoyed season two. I, I didn't dislike it as much as, as uncle Todd did, but um, this season three, it's like a whole new show. And, and, you know, even, even my wife was just, you know, as we're watching it, she's saying, wow, this is like, she's really into it. And she's like, this reminds me of like next generation, you know, the way it's like paced, obviously the mm-hmm. players are in there, but, um, it, it just, the story and the way they're doing it and, and all that is just so different. And I bet you, if you look back at season one and look at season three, you're, you're like, this can't be the same series because it just feels so different. You know, but yeah, it's kind of my initial thoughts, sir. How 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 are you uh, in, enjoying this? Because you you were quite a skeptic and uh, not not a fan was. of this last season. So, and I think for I think for very valid reasons, I was a skeptic. I mean, season two oh, I'm was not criticizing. A- I'm just saying you you were coming in skeptical. You you did not have high faith on season three. And uh, no, yeah. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I am I am cautiously optimistic. Um, yes, I think. The reason I'm saying cautiously optimistic, I am enjoying it. I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the mm-hmm. hell out of it. The reason I'm cautiously optimistic is the the execution of how we get our pro uh, our antagonists tying together by mm-hmm. episode nine is where this entire thing is going to hinge mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. 
that was the big flaw in season three, aside from just having too damn many antagonists. They had at least one, if not two, too many antagonists for that show. Yeah. And then they never really all tied up in any kind of a satisfying manner. Hmm. It, it was just very frustrating because you had these three antagonists all kind of vaguely hovering around each other, but it never quite cinched together. Yeah. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if we get Vatic and then whoever stole this portal weapon thing, mm-hmm. if they wind up meshing together in some meaningful way, if they mm-hmm. don't, and it comes to another one of those, oh no, they're just ships passing in the night. Like, no, then it, it automatically comes down a, a few notches for me. Cause it's like, you got to have them have something to do with each other or, or they have to have a good reason why they have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's a nine episode series. You just can't have characters who are meaningless in there. That's it's it's every minute is precious when you're yep. when you're only got nine episodes to tell this thing. Yep. 100%. Um, I kind of find myself in terms of like what you're saying, it's an, it's a totally new show. I think of I think to myself like what you and Jimmy Dice had said when we talked about the the postquill Star Wars mm-hmm. um, trilogy in that it it suffered because there wasn't one person at the helm who then said, okay, then this movie, then this movie, then this movie, the same way Mm -hmm. they did with the, the OG trilogy where of course, you know, Lucas had in his head, like, you know, Oh, I'm going to take the first third of this and make a movie. And then he already of course had the, the rest. I'm sure he adjusted it depending on how he fleshed out, you know, episode four, but yeah, it, and I, I, I kind of disagreed. I didn't think that was a hundred percent necessary, here, I, I think it is because yeah. it's, you know, movies and, and TV shows are a bit different. You expect a lot more consistency season to season for a TV show than I think you do for a movie. Movies are allowed yeah. or have been allowed in the past. I think it's it's probably changing now to because of streaming and everything else and the way that some of this stuff is kind of all meshing together. Um, but it used to be, uh, you kind of get a pass. You could have movies that have a different tone, even though it's in a series or whatever. TV series to me needs to have that consistency. And yeah. oh my gosh, this thing has been all over the freaking place. Like mm-hmm. s- season one was this kind of thing and I enjoyed it. Then you go to season two and I'm like, what the hell's going on here? We don't have no star. There's no Trek. It's like of cheap you know, time travel story that, well, you know, all of a sudden we ran out of money, which I'm like, how did that happen? And we don't want to, we don't want to have too many sets or effects shots. So everything is shot in like, you know, the dumpiest part of LA, like, okay, fine. And then we get into season three and I'm like, what the, what's going on? Because again, it it feels like, it doesn't feel like, it feels like they wrote these three seasons and no one talked to anybody about what yeah. was happening in their particular season because you got to season two and it seemed like they just didn't know what to do with some characters. So they're like, um, and then the guy who, you know, Picard is really close to and is sort of like a son to him. Yeah, just kill him off. We don't have anything for him to do. Mm. Just so he, he basically spends the entire entire season dead. Okay, sure. Um, and then, of course, you know, oh, we're not really sure what to do with Rios until it felt like they didn't know what to do with him until like, the very end and they're like yeah just leave him in the past sure then we don't have to tie anything up oh okay and then we get to this season and right away you see this this woman that picard was you know in love with and all this and she's written out first five minutes of the show yeah i'm like 
Yep. You guys really just don't. You didn't know what to do with these characters that you inherited. You have no clue. And so you're just mm-hmm. like, okay, and uh, I'm, I'm waiting for, for us to find out, like, I was waiting to find out, like, that maybe, you know, Seven of Nine was in a coma or something. Like, they just didn't know what the hell to do with her this season. <laughs> I, I was like, you, you really don't understand, like, how to carry these things through. However, yeah. that being said, I'm enjoying it. I think it's, I mean, we're getting some star. We're getting some Trek. Like, there's things going on. We've got mm-hmm. a new grumpy captain of a, of, a, of, a, of the ship who, oh, my good mm-hmm. Lord, is he just a complete douche nozzle, which is great because you don't see that very often in Star Trek. I was yep. like, here's a new one. Um, since Ronnie Cox. Oh, that's played, right. Uh, uh, oh, God, I forget the captain's name, but uh, Captain Was it, Jellicoe. He d- <laughs> wasn't he the one who... Uh, or which one are you, are you talking about? Um, next generation. You're talking about the OG movies, like the guy with the swagger no, I'm talking stick. Talking about the 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 next generation show when I believe in the two parter where Picard gets captured by the Cardassians, Ronnie Cox plays the captain who is butting heads constantly with Riker and like subverting. You know, it seems like he's you know subverting Picard, but he relinquishes his role at the end when Picard returns. Okay. Um, was going to abandon him and and he just had like like if 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 you knew ronnie cox from like the 80s movies like the fact he's called captain jellico is just it, it makes a lot of sense for when you look at him he looks like a jellico you know what i mean it's just like the name fit the man and he was just a total just just douche and and yeah you know this this captain is is definitely picking up the mantle and and running running with it oh yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, but oh, but also gosh. having some great moments where like, like he's that guy who you're like, I can't stand this guy, but then all of a sudden yeah. redeems himself. Like when Picard turns around, and he's like, he's my son, and you see the guy just yeah. almost go like, well, crap. All right, I guess we're in a fight. You know, yeah. <laughs> like just instantly yeah. is like, yeah. all right, I get it, we're fighting, and I'm like, all right, I guess he's not that bad. You know, yeah. I I he's hope not he totally lives. irredeemable. So yeah, yeah. Um, um, but. But if I might just opine for a moment as you're talking about yeah. the consistency across these seasons, I I almost get the feeling like in in you know, to your point, there there's there's disjointedness, but it almost feels like with season one, that season one was the litmus test to see could they even do you know, two or three, you know, like this, this whole thing was predicated on just bringing him back, telling, mm-hmm. you know, I, I remember watching the interviews and him talking about how, what, what brought him back into this is just kind of this unique take on the character. And, and admittedly from the titles, you know, just from the opening title scene to how the show was done, it just had a very different feel to it. You know, it, it seemed yes. a little more artistic, a little more, you know, off the beaten path of Star Trek. And I think that was intentional. And, and I think it, it, it was it really was, almost like the indie film treatment for, for the next generation. Kind of. Yeah. 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 And then season two, I felt was a bit of fan service. Like we talked about that, you know, they they were pulling some tropes from, you know, Star Trek four. They were pulling, um, you know, there, there was this whole thing with Q, but he was not in most of the season. And then he's back for this really powerful emotional scene, which I think is really the whole reason they just went to Q. Um, and then you get, and, and it's almost like by doing those two seasons, it, it, it was like that, that was enough to kind of, I guess, earn trust or whatever to do season three, because to your point, I don't know why they just didn't go to the next generation cast in season two, but it, it, it's almost like they wanted to hold that off or they weren't sure there'd be enough support for the show to pull it off. And, um, and so I, 
I'm glad they're they're capping it at three. I'm I'm excited to see where the story goes. Um, so far, I think it's it's great the way they're kind of introducing everyone, and um, you know, seeing Riker and Picard together again has been fun. You know, seeing Crusher, and I I, I think in in episode three, the the back and forth between Picard and Crusher was just fantastic. Mm. You know, it, it oh, yeah. wasn't a black and white scenario with her basically hiding the fact that you know she had his son and and you know bringing up all this you know history and just saying you're you know he's a picard what what do you think is going to happen if i publicize you know people know that you have a son you know you have a target on your back he has a target on his back you know that kind of thing and so just just dipping into all that and and uh you know not that i was a fan of or not that i watched deep space nine a lot but i love the fact they're bringing you know the dominion stuff into it you know they're really kind of pulling you know from a bunch of different sources it's not all just just tng and so uh you know just you know ha- having Worf come back and 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 really uh I'm, I'm half expecting him this episode this new episode to 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 run the people's elbow after uh doing the uh the rock bottom or, or was it a full oh, choke yeah. slam? i forget no it was a choke but, slam uh, it was a goozle oh, okay okay it, oh yeah it, it was a goozle well then a last ride i'm expecting a power bomb uh from him it seems like he's pulling one power <laughs> move per episode since he's been back so i want full-on uh, tombstone man i just want to pick some guy up <laughs> Oh my gosh! And the <laughs> and then the and then intro say rest in peace in Klingon. <laughs> oh my gosh! The intro that he gives, you know, I am this, I am that, son of Moog, slayer oh, of Gowron. I'm like bane of Gowron or something like that. <laughs> I was like, oh no, no, it was a bane of House Gerard oh, or something House like Duras. Duras. That's right. Yeah, and then slayer yeah. of Gowron, and I'm like damn it's like that's an apollo creed level like the master of disaster sort of thing like yeah i have to expect someone to be in the corner like rocky was like he's got a lot of names you know (laughs) (laughs) but i mean dude i mean utter badass the one thing i will i the one nit i will pick with that whole Mm the card crusher back and forth i did like it i liked how she didn't back down from him and all that I said this last with the last season, man, I'm really effing tired of like the universe versus Picard. Like, how did this one guy become like the nexus point of every single thing that happens in the known universe and the unknown universe? Like, how mm. is it that this guy like I, I, I'm hoping that there's a joke in somewhere in the in the in, the, in, in this, this season where they're like, you know, since when did the galaxy just say and F this guy in particular? Like, yeah, like, why is it like I get it? Like, OK, but it seems like in the way that she described it, it mm. went over the top into the more of that territory of like, it's all about Jean-Luc Picard. It's his mm. universe. Everyone else is just a bit player. And I'm like. I don't need that like banged into my head anymore. Season two did a great job of doing that. Mm. You know, that's the one nitpick one I knit. I have to pick. It was a great scene. Um, I love how, you know, he asked about his accent and she's like, you know, maybe it's in the jeans. Like, ah, yes, because that is always <laughs> like, how did the French dude sound like he's from Oxford? You know, like, how did that yeah. happen? Yeah, um, I yeah. did. I did appreciate that. That was really fantastic. Nice. Uh, but yeah, yeah no, and, all and the. You, it's been great so okay. far. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're, they're not, at least not yet, you know, we haven't fallen back to the Borg, you know, we, we have oh, this, God, this mysterious enemy. Um, I, if it's I, the Borg, I'm telling you right now, I'm turning it off. I'm done. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm borged enough. out, borged um, out from last season. I, I don't think they're going to, um, we, we, you know, we, we know based on the trailer, we have Moriarty coming, we have, uh, you know, lore coming, um, 
I I love the portal weapon. I think that that's that's an interesting concept, and and it's interesting to to kind of see Picard and and Riker, you know, trying. You know, at first it's it's the it's the captain trying to do stuff, and he he can't pull it off, and then he gets injured, and then Riker and and Picard step in, and they're having just about as much luck, you know, trying to to not so much fight, but, but just kind of deal with this situation with, with, was it Vatic? Is that, is, Vatic, is that yeah. Or, yeah. Amanda Plummer. Um, oh my gosh. So great. Oh, smoking a cigar while uh, going toe to toe with the great one. It's like so, a, uh, it's like a, it's like a cigarello. Like it's a total, like yeah, almost yeah. a wild West sort of thing. I'm like, that's, oh, yeah. that's a choice. I like and, it. And, and a bit unhinged. I mean, I, I, I did a double take to make sure that wasn't Nikki Cross playing that character because she, she has kind of that, that maniacal sort well, of laugh and, and kind of uh, yeah, but it's almost that, that Miss Cross it, has. So. It's not – I don't even know if I'd describe it as unhinged because it's it's almost like she's just having way too much fun mm-hmm. because she knows how much of an upper hand she has. And it really is. It's the cat playing with the mouse thing, man. And she is just enjoying it so much. I mean, it's a little unhinged, but there is no doubt like she's because then she's talking very calmly. It's not like ranting and raving and frothing at the mouth. Like even when she's like under the attacks, like again and like just her tone of voice and the way that she's playing it, like very in control. But you can tell she's loving, like just savoring these moments yeah. where she's like, I could squash you like a bug, but that's not what I'm here to do. And, and I'm I'm just I am really digging that character. I hope they do right by the character and we don't get into another thing where it's like, oh, and she goes away for three episodes <sighs> sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah. I'm I'm all I am team plumber right now. I am definitely right. on board with that. Um Rafi's been else? toned down a bit, which is nice. Uh, yeah. We, we, I love Worf calling her like by her full name, Rafaela. <laughs> yes. That is cool. <laughs> I will say though that that is one of those things that that really kind of annoys me with uh with with shows and movies sometimes is when you just take a character and like, well, they're good at this, so then therefore we're going to have them do all the things like mm-hmm. that's not how life works, you know, and yeah. I get it that it's for like the expediency of the story. But what it kind of keeps right. happening over and over and over again, uh, I don't know yeah. that the idea of like, oh, yeah. And of course, Rafi's going to be working for Starfleet, you know, uh, intelligence because mm-hmm. they're totally going to want someone who could like, you know, is like one relapse away from like spilling the beans on everything and hawking the ship. Oh, yeah, that's a, <laughs> I'm sure that's going to go well. <laughs> The frickin' uh, the frickin' the, sound decision making. Yeah, the ship's up on blocks. Like the one nacelle is missing. It's just you know, antennas all busted. Cream uh, of the crop. Pretty much, yeah. But so far, I am I am really enjoying the three episodes I've seen. We'll see how it goes. Nice. We'll see how the next six go. We'll we'll see. I am nice. cautiously optimistic, but I am not all in. Not yet. I think we should uh, possibly have a a larger review episode once we uh, get through this season. I think we need to. Oh, I'd be up for that. You know, maybe bring Jimmy D back. Oh, I'm sure he has thoughts. I'm sure he has thoughts. Seen, heard, felt, smelt, and dealt. So there have been a couple of what the. I thought I I thought I remembered there being some sort of like uh, kind of like a vague callback to the the red, the puffy red uniforms that he's a huge fan of. In one of the shots, 
I thought mm. I remember there being some sort of a callback to that. And I instantly was like, hey, Jimmy Nice would love that. What, <laughs> what, am I, what am I talking about? He's watching this right now probably oh, was, too. Was that in the first episode when he's like going through his things? He like pulled out like a like a uniform? Might be. I don't because know. Because he was trying I, to find that communicator that was going off. And he like pulled some stuff out of like a tote. Yeah. Of some kind. And it, it was like his, his uh, I thought it was the top half of his uniform or something like that. So. Could be. Anyways. Could but, be. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, sure. Sure. Well, that my friends on that positive look at this uncle todd positively picard who would have Posi- thought oh look at two? you look oh, yeah. at you the man has a it, way baby. with words i brought it yes All you right. did well that my friends is our week in geek well thank you sir much appreciated and the reason why i, I can kind of joke that you know tim really didn't have to do a whole lot of work is that he had he did all the work for these wrestling brackets like he was all <laughs> over this like a hobo on a ham sandwich from the moment we, i mentioned this is an idea he's like oh i got it and i could hear him typing like as we're having a, a production meeting he's already typing in the he's coming up with names it was great we talked in january and i think i had the 80s and 90s brackets done before yeah. the end of the month now of course he also thought that, that that we could have like each each uh each bracket would have 64 names so we were going to have like what 24 you know 240 some odd wrestlers yeah. in this. i'm like no that's like 18 was, hours worth of shows that's not gonna it, happen it, it yeah i i got a little overzealous i i thought we were doing a full-blown tournament every show uh yeah, and, no. and then we'll ha- we'd have like a final four and then you know settle it but uh thankfully uncle todd talked me off the ledge and uh we are we are, we are no going t- with a more realistic uh, round of 16. So it was no talking off the ledge. I was like, no, we are not doing that. <laughs> it's like, I don't put my foot down very often hey, here, but I am a there. Negotiating going on. I just, uh, I just relented at some point. So I don't think there was any negotiation. I'm pretty sure I just like switched your mic off. Uh, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> cup of coffee in the big time. <laughs> Your cup of coffee uh, has been going an awful long time, sir. All right, Indeed. so uh, do you want it do you want to lead uh, lead us through this? Since you are the you are the wrestling uh, aficionado and guru, uh, the, the, probably the most knowledgeable knowledgeable wrestling mind north of the Mason Dixon. Uh, Thank you, sir. We, we have to, that. of course, you know, give Corny his due. Uh, but, yes. Uh, so yeah. how are we? Uh, so we're starting off with the '80s, and uh, yeah. So so, I, as, so we're doing '80s, '90s, 2000s, 2010s. All right, that's yes. going to be the four groups, and then we're going to do 16 from each. Uh, and and we may have some some duplicates across decades because, as you yep. well know, there are some wrestlers who have had quite an extended career. So yes, indeed. Uh, Looking at you, Logan Brother. And as I had to clarify with the man they call Tim, when going by a wrestler in the 80s, mm-hmm. it's judged on what happened in those 10 years. It's not the overall Correct. career of the wrestler. It is just focusing on on their Correct. their time in, in that decade. Yes, because of the fact that when you have a wrestler who so for and it will run into this with one of the with one of the particular brackets, I won't say who, but um, you could have a wrestler who debuts in like, let's say the mid or late 80s, 
doesn't have the impact and whatnot, but has a, you know, really kind of skyrockets in the early nineties or mid nineties. So when Mm -hmm. that's, that's what uncle Todd is referring to is that wrestler in the eighties probably will be low, more low rated at that point in that bracket. But when we get to the nineties, it'll be a different evaluation because of the impact. So. Yes, indeed. All right. So with that being said, is that all uh, clear now? Have we dotted the I's and crossed the T's? Clear as mud. All right. So our participants in the uh, 1980s wrestling bracket, and what I did was I plugged in these names and found a nifty, nifty bracket creator that just kind of randomizes uh, all of the matchups. So this was just first run. I did not run through it a bunch of times and say, oh, I don't like this. Just ran it once. Uh, I thought the the matchups were compelling. Uh, Uncle Todd opened it up. I think he dropped his cup of coffee. He's like, I don't know how to do this. You're making me make hard choices, man, they called him is what he said. So I had to do research, ladies and gentlemen. I don't like homework, and I, I was doing some research for this. Ah, excellent. Anytime I can make Uncle Todd do some homework is a win. Oh, it hurt. Uh, it hurt. Uh, the participants uh, for this 1980s bracket, which we will go through, uh, will be uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, Sting, Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, the Macho Man, Randy Savage, Ravishing Rick Rude, Honky Tonk Man, Ultimate Warrior, Arn Anderson, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, The Iron Sheik, Roddy Piper, Dusty Rhodes, Ted DiBiase, and Paul, Mr. Wonderful Arndorf. Uh, those we had to leave out, the the honorable mentions that could not be added because uh, Uncle Todd would not allow me to do the 32 or 64 uh, bracket. <laughs> Uh, is uh, and and these are these are some great. This was hard. It was very hard to kind of hone in on on sixteen. Um, you know, because because there there's a lot of really good talent and uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, uh, the Hart Foundation, uh, Brett Brett Hart and Jim the Animal Nightheart, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Tito Santana, uh, the British Bulldogs, the Steiners, Jimmy Superfly Snooker, and Ron Simmons. Uh, Uncle Todd gave me a little hell over Ron Simmons and rightfully so. Also, Iron um, Mike Sharp because he was the first. Oh, Iron Mike Sharp. Oh, dear. you know, we got to do like a jobber bracket, I think. <laughs> I think we might have to. I've got I've got very firm opinions on some of my jobbers. I mean, Iron Mike Sharp, man made a career out of wearing basically some some gimmicked, you know, like forearm wrap around his arm, looking like a hunched over monster and just yelling constantly when he was in the ring. Arr! He was an ogre. That's what he was. He was just an he was, ogre. That is a great description. He was an ogre. <laughs> looks like he ought to live under a bridge somewhere. I didn't, he probably does, actually. Oh, all right. So uh, we we had to make some cuts, unfortunately, and uh, and and cuts were made. But uh, how? So I think the way we'll start doing this, uh, sir, is if you switch over to the bracket spreadsheet, the the tab mm-hmm. uh, named bracket in the spreadsheet. Uh, you want to start at the top and work our way down. I love how you give me a hard time about telling people how to use email and you're telling me essentially how to use Excel. Like, oh, no, I want to make tabs. sure you are on the same page as me. That's all. Jeez. He thinks that we're still drinking during these shows. That's the problem. He's like, well, because Tim yeah. is still drinking during these shows. I've decided to not, be responsible. I'm having my, my, my fizzy water. Oh, good for you. Um, 
All right, I'm there. So, uh, so what do you? How do you want to do this, sir? How do you want to dance? All right. So, so the matchups. Uh, well, I, I think we'll just we'll start at the top and work our way down and, and talk about the, me. the participants. So, uh, in our first round, starting at the top, uh, and and this is interesting because ironically, these two actually faced off in the early '90s, not in the '80s, uh, when he jumped over to WCW in a in a ill-fated match called "Spin the Wheel, Make the Deal." <laughs> The, the coal miners glove match and it turned out to be Ugh. of all of the gimmicks the coal miners glove match which was just kind of like all right but uh jake the snake roberts uh against sting so sting debuted i believe uh now i did not do research so hopefully uncle todd will check me on this but i believe sting debuted in 87 or 88 uh, i believe in, uh, so because he, he worked for wcw yeah, he he worked for a couple other promotions before that. He was mostly a tag wrestler, and he was actually in the early days he was tagged with Jim Helwig, who would the Ultimate yes. Warrior, and yes. they were the the Dingo Warriors, and then they were uh, then the Blade Runners, and, and a couple mm. other things in there, and then yep. they kind of went their separate ways, and and Sting wound up getting picked up by WCW and and pushed hard right out the gate. Like yeah, I think within his first year he had a title shot. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. He, yeah. Was, he so, was up against um, uh, Ric Flair. Flair. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. yeah, he he was he had a fairly quick ascension. And I mean, when you see the guy, of course, in the '80s, and you look at him, he had the face paint thing. I mean, the dude was jacked. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had the look at that point. Yes. And that was, you know, of course, that's what you're trying to get. You know, it's a, it's all on TV. So hey, yep. if you look good on TV. You're you're gonna you're gonna get pushed, uh, you know. In a lot of ways, I think Sting, at least you know, growing up when I was watching wrestling and I would see WCW, you know, living in the Northeast, WCW programming wasn't as prevalent. Like you had to catch mm-hmm. it at the right time on the right channel. Um, we didn't have TV, yeah. Superstation, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, so when I did catch it, you know, Sting always in this was true in the early 80s or sorry, the late 80s when he was in WCW, he just struck me as like their version of Hulk Hogan. You know, he had that charisma. Um, mm. he, he had that, you know, appeal to the kids um, and, you know, the face paint, the 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 woo, you know, not the Ric Flair woo, but his own version of that. Um, and, and, you know, just just a very, you know, very popular and very over, you know, baby face wrestler. And uh, so I always looked at him as kind of like their version of Hogan. Um, and then you have Jake the Snake Roberts. And Ooh. Jake the Snake, I mean, you can't think of 80s wrestling and not think of him. He is, and, and I might be biased a little bit after watching the biography a couple of weeks ago, but this man comes in and and not only, uh, you know, just, you know, comes up, you know, the hard way through wrestling and has a very hard life. But uh, as Bret Hart so eloquently put it in the biography special, he's like, I wanted to invent a new wrestling move and, and it's so hard to do. And and here Jake is, and, and Jake's invention is really a, an accident that happens to turn into one of the most devastating, you know, kind of finishers um, mm-hmm. that we saw in the eighties, the DDT. And uh, so and he now has, has he like has a, dozens, it now has dozens of variations. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and he uh, not only, you, you know, basically developing that 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 finisher that looks so devastating one of the all-time great promos um if not mm. the best um very very subtle very articulate 
uh, really just knew how to pull you in and, you know, talk softly. Uh, so you, you really kind of came close to the TV screen, um, Mm -hmm. really, you know, knew how to pull, um, you know, from different pieces of literature when he, like, I love that, that uh, I think you watched the biography special, but that whole like promo he does just before the Ted DiBiase match was just like, in anyone else's hands, it comes off as probably cheesy and over the top. In Jake the Snake's hands, it comes off as just art. Yeah, he you know manages I mean? to work. He manages to use avarice as like the mm-hmm. exclamation point of his of his you know interview, and it's like that doesn't happen in wrestling. <laughs> and, and like me and Gene just standing there, like, whoa, Longfellow yeah. couldn't have said it any better. <laughs> Because Mean Gene seemed like a he he was a dude who loved him some words. So Mean Gene was oh probably just like, gosh. "Oh, I'm getting the vapors listening to this. All these fifty cent <laughs> words getting tossed around." Oh, oh, he damn near swoons. Quite honestly. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, you know some notable matchups for for Jake the Snake in the '80s. Uh, gosh, you know Andre the Giant. Um, mm. he, he had an, an amazing feud with ravishing Rick rude, uh, which really worked in, you know, one, one of those cases where they worked in kind of real life a little bit with, with, uh, rude, you know, being rude to, uh, Jake's wife, um, and, and it turning into that, you know, really turning Jake the snake into a, I think that was one of the, that was the point where he turned into a face because he, he mm. was, he was the wronged in that case. And so, uh, he and Rick rude had a great back and forth. Um, Ricky, the dragon steamboat, uh, which Who damn which near got was, killed by the DDT. Yeah. Be, you know, <laughs> conventional wisdom set aside, uh, you know, J- Jake's looking at him like, I'm going to kill you if I do this. And he's like, no, no, I'll protect myself. And it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Boom. On the oh. concrete. <laughs> Good God. That's an old school sort of thing. Like, all righty oh, then. Oh my God. And then and then just seeing him have to lift Steamboat up like a, just a sack of potatoes and try to throw him into the ring. Holy moly. Yeah. That was day that, that was just scary to watch. Um but yeah, just a lot of notable, you know, notable matchups uh during that time. The under uh oh actually I'm sorry, nineties is the Undertaker, so can't count that. Um Sting, on the other hand, like you mentioned, uh feuded with Ric Flair. So he had a world title feud. Um, you know, really uh, uh I'm trying to go through some other ones here. I don't know his his uh work as closely, but uh let's it's see. Not, NWA, I mean, United yeah, States it, champion, television champion. So Yeah, I mean that's all well and good. I, you know, but I mean, dang, you can, you can look at both these guys and you can say, oh, well, yeah, I guess it kind mm-hmm. of balances out, but come on, dude. Best yeah. promo invented his own yep. move. Yep. Is, is someone who now like people are still trying to recreate Jake, the snake promos. Oh, you yeah. know, you look at oh, like yeah. Bray Wyatt and, and what he's done and, and you look at undertaker <laughs> and what he's done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Jake, the 100%. snake. That's where that's that's where it all comes back to. You, I, I, I've got to give it to him because because yeah. Sting was Sting was was pushed to the moon because of the looks and all that. And they needed someone to feud with Flair. That's all well and good. He didn't really do much else in the before he got to WCW. And then he was still yep. kind of just floating around and he was, you know, paired up with and he never he didn't win the championship. So, yeah, I, I'm going with Jake, the yeah. snake. Yeah, I am as well. Um, you know, one one notable thing, and this has nothing to do with the '80s, but but I I, I want to just say this because I really it never occurred to me until it was brought up in the biography of Jake the Snake a couple weeks ago. But 
the impact that Jake had in one year in the nineties. And again, this is not related to my picking him for the eighties, but um, I, cause, cause you watch the biography too, right? Yeah. Yeah. That one part in there, I forget the guy who was talking about it, but he, you know, he very correctly pointed out Austin 316 doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. If you don't have Jake, the snake come back as a born again, Christian and, and have his run in the King of the ring in 96. Yep. And when I thought about that, I'm like, holy crap, like an entire era, you know, like, like that, that eight to 10 years of, of the attitude era would never have been, or I shouldn't say eight to 10. It was more like six, I think, but. Well, it would have been, it, but it probably it was heading that direction. Same. No, it would have been I mean? different, like, totally different. It would have been totally yeah. different. Don't know if Austin would have landed. I mean, he seemed to be on, on a roll with Stone Cold, but there was an exclamation point in that promo he gave. And, and there's a lot of credit that's got to be given to Jake Roberts because he was there, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and he inspired that. And so, um, yeah, so sorry, went off on a tangent there, but yeah, I, I'm hundred percent in on Jake, the snake, uh, sting. We'll see him again in the nineties and have a different discussion about him there. But, uh, Jake, the snake, uh, I, I I'm going to advance him as well, sir. Yeah. So we each have Jake Roberts moving forward. Yep. Which brings All us right. to All nature right. boy. Little Ric Flair, and I didn't. I didn't pick this. I ran the randomizer, and it landed on Flair Steamboat. So I think it's just some juju in 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 the universe here. We need to have Flair versus Steamboat. Yep. <laughs> long, long time rivals. Some classic yep. sixty minute matches, sir. Oh my gosh! And these two traded the world title a couple times too. So. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, Ric Flair. What do we want to say about him? I mean, he he. What what hasn't been said about Ric Flair, and and especially in the eighties? I mean, he he was well, the ver- their version of let, Hulk Hogan. You know. Let me so. just put it this way: this is this is what I have in my notes, and this is essentially all I have to say about this because I I yeah. let, much like you when I was watching wrestling back in the eighties, also in the Northeast, Ric Flair was not a thing for me because I didn't see WCW and and yeah. only saw Steamboat yeah. vaguely in in WWF. Mm-hmm. The way I put it is this Steamboat was a dynamic performer and way over with fans, as well as being part of one of the greatest matches of all time. That, of course, being Savage Steamboat at WrestleMania three. Some argue mm-hmm. it is the greatest match of all time. Yep. But come on. It's Rick effing Flair. I mean, I don't know how you can't pick Flair, how you get away pick without picking Flair here. At this point, he'd already won the championship how many times? Mm-hmm. He'd been a big draw since the seven, since like starting in the late seventies. Um, I, I don't. I mean, over as a good guy, over as a bad guy. I I don't know his feuds with Dusty Rhodes. I don't know how you don't pick Ric Flair here. Now watch, you're going to pick Steamboat, but that's uh, that's the I, only way I, I can put it. I did. You I did. Steamboat. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't I get of, how you could do that, but hey, you're entitled to your opinion. I thought about it long and hard, and and it it isn't to to discount or or to demean uh, the Nature Boy, but uh, when I consider you know the 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 match uh, you know the Randy Savage Steamboat match at WrestleMania three, 
the fact that, you know, he may not have held the world title as many times as Flair, but he did have several world title reigns and had several matches with Flair that were just classics and, and mm-hmm. just, you know, was, was a consummate worker, was uh, probably one of the last of, of the pure, you know, purebred baby faces. I mean, I don't think Steamboat ever had a heel run at all. He, he, he mm-hmm. was a good guy through and through. Um, I just... Uh, and and honestly, I I think he's he he's he's a wrestler that gets overlooked a lot because he wasn't that loud, brash. You know, he was the antithesis in the ring to Flair. He was also that quiet, kind of humble, good guy, and he mm. he gets I think overlooked a lot. So hmm. when I look at you know Steamboat and and the feuds he had with with Jake the Snake, the feuds he had with like you know Macho Man, and then WCW with Flair and others. I mean, I my my, my WCW knowledge in the eighties is not great, so. You know, I'm probably missing a lot of history there, but but he he was up there with the man, and so I just uh, I decided to go with 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 the man who who made some history. Uh, you know, a little bit different than what Flair did, but but uh, yeah, I'm I'm going with Ricky Steamboat over Ric yeah. Flair. No, and uh, the 60 hey, minute mark. <laughs> if if you want to, I mean, that's up to you, man. I and I and and a granted, if anyone's listening to this and you know you're a casual wrestling fan, you're like it's all fake, anyways. Yes, of course it is. And when you're talking about title reigns, of course you always put in. They didn't actually win it, no. But what that means is when you're made the world champion, is it the the company feels that you are the best that they have or the best at that moment and is going to draw them the most money and that's that's the name of the game here you, you know yeah. no one's doing you know there's very few people out there doing wrestling as charity work you're there to make a living you're there to make money and so therefore if you keep getting the title put on somebody either one you have a dummy who's a booking and running the company which i mean has happened in several <laughs> in several occasions especially with wcw yeah. but you have you have or you have somebody who they feel like you're the you're the one to carry the ball. You're the one who is going to put butts in the seats and put money in the register. Mm-hmm. And so for the, for that, like I just look they, they Ric Flair was just so always at the top because yep. the man was drawing money. And dang, man, I, I to, to do that through that, you know, that decade, especially with, you know, the likes of you know, Steamboat and, and Dusty Rhodes and everyone else to to be around, to be that much of a player throughout that entire decade. Ugh, I had to give it to him. Yep. 100%. 100%. Um, I actually need to correct myself. He was, let's see, I think he was, I'm talking about Steamboat here. Um, I think he, he was, was Intercontinental champion. champion. He was Intercontinental champion. I think he was world champion only one time now that I'm looking at mm-hmm. this. So, but I'm yeah, still I mean, go with him. there's a reason why, like, why Ric Flair ended up with the championship that many times because he was dynamic mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and Steamboat, hell of a worker. And yep. like you said, great, good guy and all that. But was, you know, those humble, quiet guys, eh, it's, it's a lot. Those guys are, are much better in the chase. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you, then when you get the championship on him, it's like, okay, now what? <laughs> Right. You know, right. And, and, you know, that happened to him. Like I I was just reading about real quick, like, yeah, he, he beat flair in Chicago, ironically. Uh, Ah. After having a plate of deviled eggs. 
Probably. Uh, in February <laughs> of 89, and then Flair won the title back from him in May of 89. So he only really mm-hmm. held it for like three months. So, so to your point, and the same thing happened with the with the uh, the Intercontinental title. He he won, you know, he, he won that from Randy Savage. And I think it was within a matter of months he dropped it to the Honky Tonk Man, and then he was gone. So, yeah. um, so it was, yeah, he, you know... Comparing him to Flair, I'm, I'm I'm making probably a a very controversial call here, but uh, you know I feel uh, you know the 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 probably one of the best baby faces in the business outside of Hogan. Uh, I got to give the nod to Steamboat. So yeah, hey, well within your rights, sir, and you're nothing if not controversial. Oh, I try to be. Who we Why got next? Maybe the big bucks. Well. <laughs> cream of the crop is next uh, oh, yes. yeah the macho man uh macho man randy savage and ravishing rick rude uh goodness gracious uh these two uh again i'm drawing a lot from just my wwe knowledge uh rick rude i think was for a long time in awa um before he came into uh wwe and then randy savage uh you know all these guys traveled the independence before make making it in the big time and uh but but rick rude uh had, had a great run as an intercontinental champion um i think he had a good i, I gotta pull up his his uh, bio here but i think he had a bit of a run in wcw as well in the 80s but i might be wrong oh no he did 85 86 oh okay. uh, or well, hold on let me see yeah, eighty-five. I know he went back in the nineties, didn't he? Eighty-seven. Yeah. Okay. Eighty-five to eighty-seven, and then he was in WWF eighty-seven and ninety. And yeah, he feuded in WWE with Jake Roberts, Paul Arndorf, uh, the Ultimate Warrior. Um, held the Intercontinental Title. I felt for quite some time. I just don't. Uh, I just don't remember when exactly he won it, but. Um, but I thought he was, yeah, he was Intercontinental Champion for quite a period of time. And then uh, I think he dropped it to Ultimate Warrior and then he left. So, yeah. So, you know, Rick Rude ha- had a really good run in the 80s. No, uh, I he, think in the uh, 90s he went to WCW. Honky dropped it to to Warrior because that was oh, a, that oh, was oh, the oh, thing. Was Honky Tonk? Okay. Okay. Yeah, because that was like the, the nine second match because he was just like, oh, I don't care. Right, just, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just pin me and let me get the hell out of here. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's right. And then Rude beat him. Yeah, Rude beat the Ultimate Warrior for. Yeah, got it. And then he dropped. Oh, he dropped it back to Warrior at SummerSlam. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um. Let's see what else. Uh, and then you, uh, then you got Macho Man. Which I mean, what do you need to say about that guy? <laughs> Macho Man's a, a just just a unique classic. He he is uh, Intercontinental Champion, World Heavyweight Champion. You know ran in the same orbit with Hogan was was Hogan's best friend and then became his bitter rival. Uh, did he win just, the just did he f- win the the heavyweight championship in the 80s or was that early 90s? He won it in the 80s. So okay, he won it yeah. at WrestleMania 4 when they did the the tournament for the world title. They they vacated yep. the title. That's after the controversial Andre the Giant beating Hogan and then handing it to DiBiase. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and 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 Hogan putting on probably one of the Oscar winning performances of a lifetime uh, oh when he was gosh. dealing with the uh, twin referees. Um, uh, watching the watching then, the Andre and uh, rivalry on A and E. Oh, it's like oh, how did anyone ever think that Hogan was going to be good movies? How how just how. <laughs> 
please explain that I, one to me. I just love the interview after with Mean Gene. He's like, he had hundred dollar bills coming out of his pocket. It's like, uh, yeah, no, he didn't. <laughs> he took the payday. He took oh the my payday. gosh. Yeah, Hogan, yeah, that was right. that was interesting. But yeah, these two, I mean. They both had like very distinct styles. Like there's, oh gosh, yeah. There's a lot of wrestlers who could be very kind of bland and 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 mm-hmm. just sort of like sort of nondescript. Even guys who who were fairly higher up in the card, almost like like Tito Santana. What really stood out about Tito Santana? Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot. He was a hell of a worker, yeah. and you know he was he, he he had some things that made him unique, but nothing really. I mean, these two guys. There's no way you're gonna miss them. In a crowd, yeah. like they stood out just by virtue of of like how they dressed, their mannerisms, everything. So two very unique characters, colorful characters, like, figuratively and literally. Uh, they both like neon and airbrushed things. So you know, yeah. But um, I I got to tell you, like. You, you gotta stop going quiet because I think I, I keep thinking your internet's going out when it goes I quiet know. with you. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, we we we're recording this uh, Thursday night because Sunday Take night two. my my internet decided to just bloop out on me uh, midway through a spiel when we were talking about Picard, and I'm thinking to myself like Tim's awfully quiet, yeah. And then I yeah. realize I'm just talking into the void, and uh, it was my it was my internet pauses, yeah. Yeah, but uh, the way um, this one came down for me, I like rude, yeah. tremendous look. I think he's actually an underrated worker. Like everything he I did, agree. looked pretty damn good. Man, mm-hmm. he could get heat like nobody's business. Like like calling yep. all the, the the people sweat hogs, which I was like, that's great. Like we're getting a welcome back Cotter callback from the guy. But okay, fine. Um, but man, I mean, come on, Savage's promo style made him completely unique. Nobody gave promos like this, dude. Um, yeah, he was instantly identifiable. In-ring work was tremendous. And here's the kicker for me. When you have people that don't even know anything about wrestling doing impressions of you, you've made it to the next level. Indeed. Like and and so I got to give this one to Savage. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I with with Rick Rude, I mean, he you know, his music would hit, crowd would just go nuts, you know, cuz he he just evoked such emotion from them with the way he would, you know, come out arrogantly with and he had Bobby Heenan and uh yeah, his his whole promo at the beginning of of every match was just hysterical, you know, I mean, just just how how would he insult the men in the audience, you know, yeah. in in a, in a slightly different way. Um had had a great finisher with that neck breaker. Re- really enjoyed that. I mean that that to me is one of the lost things with wrestling. It's like you know now a neck breaker is just like you know move number three in the match and and you know and same with the DDT. Unfortunately, you know it's yeah. like DDT is is not a finisher anymore. It is it is a you know kind of a intermediate move you do, but it doesn't put anyone away. Um, well, and the way that know, so Rude did look. it was just so deliberate too. Like the it just, oh yeah. He, time with it and then it was just like bam you like nail yep. it it was so crisp which is why yep. i think he's an underrated worker like yeah the dude just did stuff and looked fantastic agreed and yeah and and had a lot of great feuds like like we mentioned savage you know like you said i mean he he is he is the cream of the crop uh he is uh just in a, in a in a league of his own i mean he's just so unique uh great promo a lot of a lot of amazing memories with him um 
I, I don't remember is is the Macho King in the eighties or is that in more in the nineties? I forget. But I think that but, might be more nineties because that was be definitely after his first championship role. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it was that long. It might have been a couple of years, though. But, you know, had a long run with the Intercontinental title, had that great, you know, amazing match with Steamboat, um, you know, had, had you know, great a great world title run uh, with, with uh, you know, Hogan as the Mega Powers and then, and then the split and the explosion of the Mega Powers the following year. Um, just, I mean, always just involved with really, really good storylines and, uh, and, and good, you know, just, just, uh, just highly entertaining, uh, content from, from this guy. So yeah, I, I got to give the nod to Savage as well. I think, uh, as, as great as Rick Rude was in the eighties, I think Savage was just that much better. And, and, you know, really, uh, like you said, I mean, he's just so unique and established himself as just that unique talent, uh, you know, that, uh, that rose to the cup of coffee in the big time. Yep. All right. Next matchup. Uh, ironically, you know, we're getting a lot of matchups that actually did happen in the eighties between some of these guys. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, uh, honky tonk man and ultimate warrior. Um, uh, do you want to just spend nine seconds on this one? <laughs> Another battle of IC champs. I mean, Hey, um, I, I mean, let's, let's, uh, and let's give warrior his due. <laughs> Uh, yeah. represented yeah. a complete departure in style for most everyone else in wrestling. Uh, like just oh, the yeah. hyperactive, the run to the ring, frenetic pace, uh, just the fact that he was built like a brick bleep house. Mm-hmm. Um, completely incomprehensible on the mic. Like, like don't confuse <laughs> Randy Savage promo intensity with Ultimate Warrior intensity because Savage would at least make a point Mm-hmm. And he had his thing. No one knew what the hell Warrior was saying, including Warrior. He had no yeah. one knew. Uh, it was, it was yeah. it, and and that was just even starting out until you got really unhinged and you got the, you know, and take the stick and push it forward. Hulk Hogan. You know, those, those when it's just like, it really starts getting nutty. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah. and you know, he was, he was the definition of over. People love this dude. Um, that mm-hmm. being said, I think that it was also because he, he only had to wrestle for like 30 seconds. Um, but he, he had three moves and he really didn't hit the stratosphere until the nineties. Mm-hmm. Like it really was the nineties when he got that run. Uh, it, it, it wasn't, I think it was 90 when he, when he won the, the heavyweight championship and he held the IC belt and the heavyweight championship. Yeah. And yeah, you know, <sighs> dude, honky was a signature IC champ at the, t- I mean, for a long mm-hmm. time, he, he was the held at the longest of anybody mm-hmm. all time heat getter, all time yeah. heat getter. And quite honestly, who doesn't love an evil Elvis impersonator gimmick? I mean, come <laughs> on, <laughs> come on. Oh my gosh. How can you not love that honky tonk man oh. all the way in a, You know what? And this undoes the squash that the warrior did to him, which was a great disservice. Honky tonk yeah. man all the way. Coming to right. town in his pink Cadillac. All He's right. a honky tonk man. Right. He's a honky tonk man. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So on, on my side, yeah, fully acknowledge uh, honky tonk man, uh, lo- you know, longest reigning or is he still the longest reigning intercontinental champion? I don't know. I don't think so, but I think he Gunther's was for a long time. Run at that right now, so because mm. they are he's they, they do see. keep on they do keep on yeah. mentioning that. Uh, yeah. Let me look this up. Um, 
but yeah, Honky Tonk Man was uh, was very unique. Um, got a lot of heat from from the crowd. He he uh, was involved in a lot of great feuds. Um, yeah, real heat getter, like you said. Warrior was um, Warrior was interesting because outside of Savage, Warrior really was kind of the guy that you could see growing into, you know, the next Hogan, and 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 really just capturing you know, the, uh, just, just with his energy capturing the imagination of the audience, just, just running full tilt down to the ring and, and just, just, you know, shaking those ropes and the clotheslines and the power slam and the splashes and everything. Um, I agree promo wise, he's just completely incomprehensible, (laughs) but, um, uh, but, but, you know, I, I had to give the nod to warrior because this, this, he, (gasps) he, he had, I know, I know. I felt he he just had a uh, you know he he just had he was like lightning in a bottle you know what I mean and <sighs> and really just uh, really just kind of grew in into what was going to become you know a, a world champion um, uh, outside of his nutty behavior um, so yeah so I I had a, I had a job out honky tonk man in, in twenty seven seconds to uh, Ultimate Warrior Jimmy the mouth of the South heart is very disappointed in you right now i'm sure he is sure's running around right now with his uh, megaphone with the siren going off which was so one of my all-time honky favorite tonk maneuvers. man yeah honky tonk man uh 454 days uh he had nice. one in ic title reign so that's all in one um some other notables and we're talking modern era because before this you have pedro morales all right uh you know, guys like that. Uh, the the Pedro Morales has 619 days with with a, with the IC belt uh, in two reigns. The Miz has 597 over eight reigns. Don Morocco 541 mm. days over two reigns. Um, after Honky, you have Tito Santana, Razor Ramon, Ultimate Warrior had 434 days with the belt, but it was two reigns. Yeah, Randy yep. Savage is the next closest with. 414 days in one reign so honky has has the most in one reign of anybody and uh right now gunter 271 days so he's got to hold on to that for quite a while longer uh but dang there yeah i interesting I just like I don't even know you anymore picking warrior over honky well here's Uh, the thing once honky tonk loses the ic belt I mean, he just kind of languishes now, you know. I mean, he he gets paired up with Greg Valentine, who dyes his hair black, and they they call themselves Rhythm and Blues. And they, you know, if anything, it was just funny to see Greg Valentine just kind of you know try to be an Elvis impersonator in in the worst yeah. possible way. That was you know, that so, was I mean, bad. It, it was kind of a precipitous fall for for one honky tonk man after that icy loss. So. Well, I want to say that that was like when he when he knew he was on his way out of the company. Like, I think that he mm. might have actually walked and then come back. Oh, um, okay. But but I think that he he was kind of at that point he was just playing out the string because yeah. uh, when they when yeah. they're like, yeah, we want you to drop the belt to Warrior, he's like, all right, this is I'm I'm out the door at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's understandable because Warrior just, I mean, he, and, you know, War, Warrior petered out too, but he petered out into the next decade, so, which we'll get to, so. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm going with Ultimate Warrior um, in the 80s because he was just iconic, 
next uh, matchup, sir. Uh, this one's a bit of a... I hate to call it a jobber match because it's Arn <laughs> Anderson, but it's Arn Anderson. This is where the randomizer kind of goes a little wonky because uh, Double A would be Arne very Anderson, mad at you for that. The the enforcer uh, faces uh, Hulk Hogan, and mm. Hulk Hogan in the eighties is uh, big time, big time. So uh, Arn Anderson, you know, in his own right, a very formidable force, a a uh, you know, very, probably one of the most intimidating guys you know you would see uh, in WCW. Just just look like a complete just killer of of, of a guy. You know, I mean, just mm. uh, Ric Flair's second, and and he looked like he was going to put the hurt on you if you looked at him the wrong way. Um, part of the Four Horsemen held you know various titles in WCW and WA. But uh, but Arn is not at the same level as Hogan. <laughs> no, Hogan Hogan is. I mean, he's been called the Babe Ruth of wrestling. He's been called a lot of things. He's he's a big part of why Vince McMahon has an empire. Some them, and only some of them complimentary, by the way. Well, that's that's fair. I mean, if you listen to Shiki, there, there's a lot to be oh. said. Oh, you are worse than the Hulk Hogan. He humble you, um, but. Uh, but you know, for for as as much as I enjoy Arn Anderson, love seeing him. I mean, just had a vicious spine buster of uh, you know that move. He he would bring that out and just oh my gosh, he was one of those him wrestlers and, uh, that made you believe it was real. You know, like well, he him just and Ron a, Simmons, like yeah. like those spine busters where you're like he legit might he might have just paralyzed that guy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just, just unbelievable. So, um, want to give due to Arn Anderson, but, but Hogan, I mean, really kicked off an entire revolution for the wrestling industry, you know, held the world championship for almost four years. Um, you know, from, from like 84, 85 through like 88, I think when, when he dropped it to Andre, um, or no, I'm sorry, dropped it to Savage. And then, um, uh, no, sorry. Dropped it to Andre, led to Savage getting it, and then he won it back from Savage. So, um, so yeah, so just you know, just iconic, and and really, it's it's going to be you know any bracket with Hogan is going to be hard to call, but I'm I'm going to go with Hogan over Arn Anderson. Yeah, I mean, from a work standpoint, arguably a promo standpoint, because Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. Hogan was kind of like, much like his matches could be very much like lather, rinse, and repeat. Um, Orange ought, ought, ought to get the nod here. He, he, I mean, he carried a bunch of gold. Uh, he managed to get over in spite of looking like he just got us got off a shift from teaching auto shop at the local Votech High School. He does not look like like he's intimidating, but he is not like spectacular or anything. Like he did, yeah. He's not yeah. one of these muscle dudes. Like he just looks like he might have just rolled off of his shift and he just put out his camel before he came to the, which he might have just before he came down to the ring. Um, but I mean. That being said, Hogan carried an entire promotion. I mean, one of the yeah. biggest draws of the decade, yeah. actually, probably the biggest draw of the decade and one of the biggest draws of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and and again, I'm 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 scared at this point just to even to say a, a, a bad word about Arn because I know Arn is is on in years, but I was watching a reel today and it was a uh, Kevin Nash. And they were talking mm-hmm. about when the when the NWO made fun of the four horsemen and they were they were making fun of Arn Anderson and Arn yeah. didn't that was no bueno with Arn. But he had retired from wrestling. Mm-hmm. He wasn't an active worker anymore. So two years later, he was he was doing a run in 
and he came down and he was he was supposed to hit Nash in the back with a lead pipe. And you mm. can hear it like there was no half speed. There was no like there was no pulling the punch or nothing. He just came down. And was like whack. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And they show Nash being interviewed. He's like, he's like, you want to talk about a receipt? He's like lightning shot out of my butt. <laughs> oh uh if 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 i may uh just throw yeah. one other thing in on anderson and then we'll move on but uh i don't know if you realize this um uh but it was in the 80s late 80s arn anderson and telly blanchard uh blanchard uh mm. switched from wcw to wwe mm-hmm. The brain uh, busters, the brain right? Busters had a phenomenal finishing move in that spike pile driver, which you just you did not see on on normal WWE television at that time, and it was it, it was incredible. And I brought it up for this reason, and they were the team that ended Demolition's historic 478 day tag team championship reign. They they were wow. the ones that took down Demolition. Um, I remember watching that. I was infuriated because Demolition <laughs> was just so good. <laughs> And, and I was a complete mark for them. And it's like, you don't beat the team that just completely wrecks and, you know, wrecks and racks your body, uh, you know, in the ring like that. But they were the smarmy, you know, strategic heels and they played their role to perfection. So yes. uh, even though he's not advancing, I just want to call that out. He, he does have that, that distinction of being a part of a group that did take down one of the longest rating tag champs of the eighties. So, yep. Nope. I, I, yeah, they were All they right. were they were a thing to behold. And I, I assume you're going with Hogan based on what you said. So oh we're, yeah we're, yeah we're both, I'm we're sorry both pushing Hogan forward. So yep. All right, uh, this next one's going to pain Uncle Todd. I think uh, we have oh, Andre. Oh sorry, I say like, oh Bubba, oh oh Bubba. Okay, sorry, I thought you were saying something. Uh, Andre the Giants will face the Iron Sheik, and I think this time Sheiky's the one that's going to be humbled here. <laughs> continuing the the theme of of people who actually faced off against each other andre did not like the sheik and the sheik knew it and apparently andre would just beat the living hell out of sheik because he annoyed him (laughs) so he'd just literally go out there and just smack him around a little bit more than he needed to for the sake of business which is fantastic because sheik was a legitimate badass like he was a legitimate like tough guy just to get yep. smacked around like that was not an unusual thing for him. No, but uh, no. that that was the thing. You're you don't often face a giant in the ring, and uh, no. he did. No, yeah. And Shiki has the distinction of he he uh, he beat Bob Backlund, uh, mm-hmm. where Backlund's manager threw the towel in the ring, which you don't normally see. Um, when he had him in the camel clutch, uh, so he ended Backlund's near six year reign. Uh, and then was essentially the transitional champion for Hogan, uh, for Hulk Hogan to initiate his first uh, long reign as world champion. Mm-hmm. So Shiki does have that, and as well as being, you know, just a very colorful and very, uh, you know, for the eighties uh, when you know they wanted to work some politics into wrestling to get get a rise out of fans. Uh, mm-hmm. They 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 brought in the Iranian wonder to uh, you know generate some heat and so uh shiki did his job well and and was just very you know just very i don't want to say comical he he was just very um animated you know and 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 Mm -hmm. just just a a real entertainer and uh did his job to to a t i i used to and teaming up with nikolai volkov was just the greatest thing in the world because the two of them were just like just fit for each other you know what i mean like 
Volkov was just the bumbling goof and, and the Sheik was just kind of the uh, brains of the operation almost, you know, just, just, he, 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 you know, in some ways he was kind of like, like the hitman of the squad, you know, like the Sheik did his job. Volkov was just kind of the big guy that ran in there and just, you know, bounce people with his size, you know, and that's, yeah. So, although, I mean, the thing is you, you have to also give an extra nod here. And I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not like he had anything to do with it. You're born where you're born. But I mean, like a lot of wrestling bad guys who are like Yokozuna, who is from Japan. No, he's not. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yep. or yeah, or I yeah. think Nikolai Volkov. I don't think he. I, I think he's from Minnesota or something. I don't think he, yeah. he has nothing to do with Russia. But yeah. a lot of these guys are not. You know, that a lot of the Russians are not Russians. Right, Shiki baby from Iran, <laughs> a yeah. genuine Iranian who is showing up in the WWF at a time when that's not. You know, the USA and and Iran are not friends, and so yeah. it's like. He was able to play that part to the hilt, and oh my mm-hmm. gosh, and the you know, you know, USA, how do it? <laughs> oh yeah, oh my gosh. But I, I mean, I, I remember watching Saturday's main event where it was, I think, Sergeant Slaughter and the Iron Sheik in a, like a flag match, and and it wasn't a flag match like a ha ha flag match. It was like brutal, like there was blood. Uh-huh. It, it it was a brutal war between those two. I I distinctly remember that as a kid because I I'd never really seen that much blood in in a wrestling match so yeah well because that wasn't wwf's jam back in the day not really yeah yeah um but you know andre is andre so yeah i mean one of the most recognizable plants uh athletes on the planet um you can argue i mean even though you know shiki baby uh begat hulkamania by dropping the belt uh, even yep. though, according to Iron Sheik, he had an offer in hand for some serious cash money to break Hogan's leg, which, you know, <laughs> he at the time he probably could have, yeah. you know, um, yeah. uh, you know, he, Andre arguably did more for Hulkamania uh, by taking the loss to him at yep. WrestleMania three because Andre yep. was billed as being undefeated, yes. you know, forever. Yeah. And that, that was the passing of the torch. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and at the time, that was the biggest wrestling event ever, like 93,000 some odd people. Yep. That was unthinkable at that time because, I mean, jeez. I mean, WrestleManias are really built around what Andre did. WrestleMania 3 and then mm-hmm. WrestleMania 4. And WrestleMania mm-hmm. 4 doesn't happen if you don't do the infamous, you know, Hebner twin referee shtick, you know, to, yep. to, to give Andre the, the championship. And, and that was shocking. I mean, A, him turning heel was shocking. And then B, him beating Hogan after WrestleMania 3 was shocking. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, sorry, I got to yeah. give it to Andre. No question. I, I love Sheik. You know, great one of the greatest. We, we love Sheik. Heels of we, all we time, whole, but we have a whole show gimmick built around him, the real yeah. Negroni. So he'll 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 come back in another time. But Andre, uh, he he has to get the nod. Yes. Who we got I next? Am the Brute Squad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are the Brute Squad. <laughs> Anybody want the peanut? Oh my gosh! Good lord! It's All not right. my fault. I don't even work out. <laughs> our our next one is going to be another painful one for uncle todd because uh uh you know roddy piper roddy roddy piper and the american dream 
Dusty Rhodes, baby. Uh, yeah, baby. Dusty Rhodes. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Hard times. The American Jeep. Oh, it's hard times all over these days, Daddy. It's hard times everywhere you go. Hard times at the gas station. Hard times when you go to buy the eggs. Can't buy the eggs nowhere. <laughs> can't find the eggs. If you have to buy the eggs, you have to take out a second mortgage and you get it. Then you can't get no milk. It's a hard times, I'm telling you, for a plumber's son. Hard it's times. a hard time to bend over and touch my toes, but anyway. Well, I mean, <laughs> that was always a problem for Dusty too. I mean, not exactly the uh, the big the, the greatest physical specimen in the history of the squared circle, shall we say? Indeed, indeed. But uh, Rowdy Piper, um, you know, iconic heel, one of the foundational pieces for WrestleMania one, and and in in that two. tag match he and Ondorf. No, no. The first WrestleMania main event was uh, Piper and Orndorff against Hogan and Mr. T. Yeah, but I've, he was also one of the one of the three main events for WrestleMania oh, two. WrestleMania two. Sorry, you're, yeah. you're you're correct. You're correct. Sorry. Um, as well as uh, you know, when he was in NWA, um, which you know was always something I never knew as a kid. I always knew Roddy Piper as a WWE guy didn't realize he you know had this you know r- really good career in, in WCW um had a dog collar match with Greg Hammer Valentine I think over the United States Championship uh he and Flair teamed up and and were were together and then I think they fought each other um so I mean just just had a had a real uh just just a real interesting run you know through the 80s uh across those two organizations and and really you know for a long time was just this iconic heel great promo um had his own talk show which was you know iconic you know the piper's yep. pit um, uh, which is responsible for me getting into wrestling because i watched that one where he was interviewing snooka and he cracked him over the head with the coke and i'm like all right oh, i'm God. in <laughs> so and him talking about that like I'll, I'll see if i can find it but he's talking about that and he like he he goes he knew what he was going to do so he picks up the coconut and he's talking he's like and he, he says and one hand i'm i'm talking on the other hand in my head i'm like oh my god this thing is heavy yeah, and he's like, well, yeah. I gotta do it. Crack. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Piper is in the same. You know, he he's in the same conversation with like Jake the Snake. Like when when mm. uh, when they had that rival show of Hogan and Andre, and he's talking about what you know, kind of what he, how he played his role during that when, when Andre made that heel turn, it it was interesting because Piper had always been a foil for Hogan and he's actually, you know, when, when Andre made that turn, he's actually this like voice of reason. And he's like, you know, he's like, Hogan, you're bleeding, you know, like, like he actually cared about him. You know what I mean? Like you're just like, what is going on with Piper? He hates Hogan, but, um, but you know, just a gifted talker and, and, and just such an entertaining, entertaining wrestler. Uh, and then we got the American dream, uh, multi-time world champion with NWA great, uh, just amazing feuds with, with Harley race and with Ric Flair, um, lot, lot of steel cage, bloody steel cage matches with, with him and, and race and, and him and Flair, um, you know, wars with the four horsemen, uh, hard times all around. And, uh, mm. just, just an iconic, iconic, uh, you know, wrestler uh of of that era so uh what what is how are you leaning on this one sir this was a hard one for me dude i mean piper great one of the greats of all time like you said uh he's he he, superior unhinged promo guy like could just talk a blue streak the uh two wrestlemanias but if you want to talk about being famous for talking Go to Dusty mm-hmm. Rhodes' Wikipedia page. 
the entire hard times promo has been typed out like it's been oh entered into the library of like the into the congressional record and, and like held the mwa uh, championship three times and and still in the 80s even as he's a, a performer he's also a booker during this time yeah, yeah. And would would go on to originate a finish that is named after him, a dusty finish, where basically mm-hmm. the person gets screwed out of these weird circumstances. I mean, come on. It's Dusty yep. Rose. The American dream takes this one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Piper, but it's hard times for Rowdy Roddy Piper. Indeed. Good times for Dusty Rose. And that is where I fell as well, sir. I, I had to go with, with the American Dream on this one. Uh, you know, just a, another great promo, um, great, great baby face, and, and uh, just, just all-time great wrestler. So uh, as much as I, I, I appreciate and, and have enjoyed Piper's work, I, I got to give the nod to Dusty. Mm, yeah, definitely. And now we get to our last first-round match of, of what has probably felt like the unending first-round matches. Uh, but uh, Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man, versus Paul Mr. Wonderful Arndorf. Uh, Paul Arndorf, uh, most probably famous for uh, WrestleMania One, as well as a uh, babyface run, at, you know, with Hogan, uh, which turned into and I've never forgotten this on the on the main on Saturday's main event where he was uh, calling Hogan because he needed a tag partner, couldn't find anyone else, but he was trying to call Hogan on the payphone, trying to get him to the arena apparently, and then uh, that that led to a uh, a, a great run that that. Orndorff had as 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 really a, a a great heel, you know, uh, for Hogan to defend the championship against, and uh, and and just you know for a long time was known as the master of the pile driver. You know, when the pile driver was a deadly move, um, similar to DDT, uh, Orndorff uh, he owned that and and mm. and he used it uh, in, in a way that made it look vicious. And so, um, so he, he's got his, his own, uh, you know, kind of standing in, in wrestling history during the eighties. He was part of WrestleMania one being, you know, the success that it was. Uh, and then he got the million dollar man who, mm. had probably one of the great gimmicks of, of all time, uh, just in, in terms of execution, uh, in terms of, of, you know, just generating heat and being just this, this monster heel, um, you know, having kids come up and, and, you know, having them do something like uh, during a promo segment and t- saying he's going to give them a hundred dollars and then, you know, kicks the basketball out from the kid. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, he was just, he was the, the epitome of evil. <laughs> I mean, he was like Mr. Burns, but Mr. Burns being like physically capable of, of, of doing damage as, as a human being, you know what I mean? And a great <laughs> laugh, the cackle. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That iconic cackle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every man's he, got a price. And and going so far, like like working the gimmick to the point where he pays Andre the Giant, you know, storyline, but pays Andre mm. the Giant to beat Hogan and give him the world title as the world champion. <laughs> like, yeah. like, if that isn't like the ultimate evil. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, I'm totally. not going to earn this myself. I'm going to schlep someone to do it for me, and then I'm going to take the gold and walk around like I'm the man who earned it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. So, uh, what say you, sir, on this one? What's I, I mean, this one's interesting because neither of them are really known for championship success. It's more mm. storyline, and uh, I mean, 
Ted DiBiase did have the world title, but I mean, it was it was a very short lived thing. It didn't really go anywhere because he was stripped of the title about a week later. It, it fed into WrestleMania four. Um, he had a lot of amazing feuds. DiBiase was just a very strong wrestler. I mean, he, yeah. he would have some just amazing. I remember watching primetime wrestling with my dad and you, you would watch a DiBiase match. And I mean, it was just, it, it, it was like a, um, you know, just a, uh, I'm trying to think of the term, um, j- just a lesson in, in what wrestling is. I mean, he, he just yeah, was a, a clinic. gifted wrestler, a clinic. Thank you. That's what I was trying to get to. Um, so yeah, I, I, in, in this one, um, you know, as iconic as Mr. Wonderful was, uh, I, I really kind of give the nod to the million dollar man. I think between the gimmick, the promo and just the impact he had during the eighties, I, I think, uh, I give him the nod. Yeah. I, I can't say that I'm all that familiar with Orndorff's work, um, beyond like WrestleMania one. I, I, yeah. I, I haven't gone back and watched the tapes and I don't really remember him that much from back in the day. Um, yeah. but I do know that a rich douchebag was a perfect heel gimmick for the eighties. And quite honestly, it might actually make him the most eighties wrestler ever. Yeah. Like that is yeah. like it, like that just greed and money. Mm-hmm. There it is. That's the 1980s. Right yep. there. Fair, um, yeah, so fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Totally. DiBiase. All the way. All right. All right. So um, uh, let's see. How, how do I want to do the second rounds? Because I, I, I was going to open your spreadsheet, but I don't want to spoil it for me. So let's, let, let's go to second rounds. I'll, I'll read off mine. You read off yours. And we've already kind of gone into depth about each one. So maybe we mm-hmm. just talk about, you know, kind of why we advanced them. But uh, I'll... Why don't you go first with yours? All right. My first matchup is Jake the Snake Roberts Mm. up against the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. And, man, I love me some Jake Roberts uh, in the (laughs) 1980s. But come on. uh, I'm sorry. The Nature Boy takes that one pretty handily. Gosh, good Lord. All right. I get it. I get it. Well, in in my first round match, I have Jake the Snake Roberts against uh, the man who was Rick Flair, a thorn in Rick Flair's side for most of the 1980s rookie steamboat. Uh, And much like how history played out, uh, I'm going to have Jake the Snake give Ricky a DDT on the concrete and uh, raise his hand in victory and advance him again to the next round. That's right. That's right, because we want to sell us some 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 good drama, baby. Uh, but yeah, I, I as much as I enjoy Steamboat, I, I think I think Jake Roberts uh, just you know he he's for me he's one of the iconic wrestlers of the '80s, and and I I got to go with him, Jake the Snake, all the way. Fair enough. Next right. up, I've got a go ahead, I've sir. got Macho Man Randy Savage versus the Honky Tonk Man, and uh, ooh. ooh. Again, it's tough for me to go against one of my faves, but man, Honky getting that Cadillac and drive on down the road, the Macho Man is taking this one. So I've got Green Savage advancing. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He's going to snap into something. Dig it. Uh, <laughs> my second uh, match of the second round is the Macho Man Randy Savage against the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, but similar to you, sir, uh, I am going to uh, give the nod to Randy Savage. I think his his impact, uniqueness, and uh, just run in the 1980s was unmatched. And as, gr- as great as the Warrior was, uh, as, as you brought up, he, he didn't really hit his apex until the early 90s. And so uh, I'm going to give the nod to Randy on this one. So uh, once again, Cup of coffee in the big time. 
If you had picked Warrior over over Savage, I we wouldn't be friends anymore. I just want to let you know that. Ah, <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. All right, next round, sir. What do you got? Uh, I've got or Hulk Hogan up, round. Sorry. up against uh, Andre the Giant, and ah, much WrestleMania like WrestleMania three. three uh, it's going to end the same way. Uh, Hogan's going to slam Andre uh, and drop the big leg, and Hulk Hogan advances because oh, my I mean, goodness. come on, uh, Andre's Andre, but really at this point, when when you know WWF is really on the rise, Andre is is already in decline. Like even mm-hmm. by WrestleMania three, he was he had the back brace underneath the 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 unitard. He was he was not in great shape. And it it didn't get better than that. He gave Hogan the ultimate gift, and that's great. But Hogan repres- was was the ascension of an entire promotion in the eighties. Tough mm. to beat that. So Hogan advances. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I uh, I had the same matchup, um, but uh, I decided to uh, stuff some hundred dollar bills into the Hebner's uh, pockets and wow. uh, job Hogan out. Um, I, I'm giving the nod to Andre. He, he, uh, he, you know, his impact over those, those several years in WWE were, 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 uh, you know, were, were, were big and, and, you know, he had the distinction, as you mentioned, of being billed as undefeated through, you know, really much of the 1980s when he wasn't physically declining. But to your point, you know, uh, when we got to WrestleMania three and 86, uh, or is it 87? Um, that was the start of it. And so, uh, between that and, um, you know, he, he had the run with Haku where, where, you know, where, where they defeated, uh, uh, you know, demolition, um, and, and were kind of heels against them for a long time. I, I just feel Andre has, uh, you know, just has had an impact. And so as much as Hogan is the face of WWE and, and is, is iconic in the 1980s, um, I'm going to give the nod to Andre. Wow. Well, that's an upset. All right. That is an upset. All right, now our last uh, second round match. I think we both had the same, which was Dusty Rhodes and Ted DiBiase, if I'm not mistaken. You are correct, sir. And you know what? Money can't buy the American dream. Let me tell you, it's a hard times, but you know what? The dream is going to come out on top. Dusty Rhodes advances. <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't have said it any better myself. As much as I appreciate the the technical prowess of of Ted DiBiase and the great gimmick and the the uh, j- just just the iconic heel that he became in the eighties, uh, got to go with the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. He he uh, he he is the dream, and uh, he advances uh, given given his impact and and just uh, career through the eighties. There, yes, indeed. All right. We're now getting into the semifinals. Uh, we were just at the quarterfinals, semifinals here. So who do you have, sir, in your first uh, matchup of the semifinals? Very interesting that I've got a matchup of two wrestlers with classical music as their entrance themes. We have uh, <laughs> also Sprocken, I can never say it right, the, the 2001 theme. I wish I, I should know this as a, as a musician, but I can never mm. pronounce it right, so I've never bothered to learn it. Up against yep. pomp and circumstances, ladies and gentlemen, the Nature Boy Ric Flair versus Macho Man Randy Savage. And Jealous you know eyes what? for Elizabeth. 
You know what? I've I've got to give Savage the nod as much as Ric Flair did. There as much go. as Ric Flair did, I've got to give Savage the nod on this. Macho Man advances. Excellent. And ironically, the two of them, if you don't, if you recall, feuded quite quite intensely uh, in in the early nineties where uh, Flair was trying to make it, he was world champion in WWE and made a big deal about um, supposedly uh, being with Elizabeth before before, uh, Savage was. (laughs) Yeah. She was mine before she was yours. It's like, Oh good. Which Randy was unhinged enough that it didn't matter whether that was explained that, Hey, this is all part of the storyline. That was real to Randy. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I had the uh, interesting matchup again. It, it's it's kind of ironic with with Savage here. Uh, I have Jake the Snake Roberts versus Randy Savage, which was a and we'll talk about this probably in the '90s as well. Um, this was actually a huge, huge feud, uh, which involved the actual use of a viper. <laughs> yes, <laughs> biting into Savage's bicep. <laughs> Yep. So, uh, but we will talk about that at another time. Uh, this matchup here between these two icons of the 1980s, uh, this was a very tough, very, very tough decision for me. Um, I, I, I really like both. Um, and, and they both, you know, really it's, it's, it's just, you got to flip a coin because both careers are just amazing. Savage clearly more decorated as a champion, but I believe Jake the Snake Roberts, you know, his distinction is not having held the championship is is a distinction unto itself because he was one of the best promos, one of the best, uh, you know, just finishers and and just had just these amazing feuds. Uh, so with weighing all of that, um, sorry, I I had to basically uh, have Roberts take the Viper out again and bite Savage and uh, advance him to the finals. The the fix is in, ladies and gentlemen. The fix is in. Advances over Randy Savage. You heard it for your first. We now know what Tim's binky is, as much as mine is Starbucks. (laughs) Trust me. Jake Jake the Snake Roberts. Trust me. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. All right. Fine. Fair enough. All right. What is your uh, second uh, match of the semifinals, sir? We have what would have been a dream match back in the day. You have, Mm. uh, you know, Hulk Hogan, who is, you know, all American, you Mm -hmm. know, real American, all of that against the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. And unfortunately, hard times catches up with the dream here (laughs) because Hogan again iconic 80s you can't have the 80s in wrestling without hogan uh at Fair least as enough. far as i'm concerned because again like wwf is my world so yeah that's yeah. he's the dude so yeah. hulk hogan advances all right i had andre the giant against dusty Rhodes. uh i had a little different reasoning here um because you have you know really in this bracket if i even if i advanced hogan you, you really just have two icons of two different companies that that were running in the 80s uh this was a hard one too. Um, but you know, I, I, I give the nod to Dusty over Andre, um, in terms of his wow. and, and advance the American dream to the finals. Um, you know, not, not out of a sense of trying to have it be balanced between WWE and WCW, but, uh, as great as Andre was, as iconic as uh, Andre was, um, you know, I just, I just kind of felt Dusty 
you know, when I compare the two of them, uh, just greater impact in, in the eighties. So, um, so as, as, as much as, uh, Andre had great influence and great impact, um, I'm going to let the, uh, have the American dream advance. I did not see that one coming, not even a little bit, but really? good choice. Good choice. Was, no, I thought you were uh, gonna, I thought it was going to be Andre's, uh, and Robert's all at the end of this thing for you. Nope. No, wow. uh, had, had him do the bionic elbow and then uh, a dusty finish to Andre. So, <laughs> yeah, one of the greatest finishes ever. <laughs> bionic elbow. <laughs> the bionic elbow. <laughs> Nothing bionic about it. It's an elbow. <laughs> I love it. But the fact that it gets over. Oh. Same with like same with like the people's elbow for the rock. Like you have to be really over for people to mm-hmm. just buy that, you know, and not yep. to, like crap all over it. Yep. Oh yep. boy! Uh, all right, we're so at the final, final, sir. Match, sir. Go for it. Macho Man Randy Savage versus Hulk Hogan. The mega powers explode all over again. Oh and, my! Uh, Good. Oh my! Oh my! Um, <laughs> and uh, it kind of pains me to do this, but Hulk Don't Hogan. Don't do it. Hulk oh. Hogan again backstage god. politicking he was calling me on the phone earlier today oh my god, i dodged brother. his call like three times and he blocked his number and i picked it up he's like let me tell you something brother pockets with hundreds of dollars brother and uh, hulk doesn't have hundreds right now he promised me like 15 bucks and a gift card <laughs> to his restaurant down in florida that was all i got but oh it was enough so it was hogan, enough so hogan comes out of the 80s the the uh your your 80s pick interesting interesting i mean again how how what does wwf look like in the 80s without hogan i can i mean without savage yes it still looks different without hogan you can make the argument that wrestle that vince doesn't necessarily go for wrestlemania the same way he did you know he doesn't he doesn't mm-hmm. go to the lengths that he does without hogan there to kind of build around because that was the you know the, saw him and is like that's it that is my next star and with a reaction that people had i it's a different story altogether man it's like if if austin didn't have austin 316 he'd mm-hmm. probably still you know be big but not that's he wouldn't have sold that many damn t-shirts that's for All sure right. well my final is jake the snake roberts versus the american dream dusty Rhodes, and well, it's ironic that you picked Hogan because if Hogan is going to be the, the, the face that runs the place in the 80s, I'm going to have to go with Jake the Snake Roberts as the villain of the 80s. Uh, really? Just, just a, what's that? Really? I, I, I'm very surprised that Roberts made it all the way here, sir. Absolutely. Uh, you know, he, he and Rhodes, uh, great, great careers all around, but and great promos. Uh, but, uh, you know, sorry, Dusty succumbs to the DDT on the mat. And so uh, Jake the Snake advances. Trust him. And it was, was going to be on the mat because no way Dusty's taking that on the outside. He's like, I've, I've, I've <laughs> Dusty talks enough. about hard times. He doesn't want hard surfaces, so. I bled enough. I don't need that crap. Just, just take me out in the ring. That's it. I'll do the job. Oh my gosh! So, All right. Yeah, so, so coming out of our '80s brackets, uh, Uncle Todd with Hulk Hogan and myself with Jake the Snake Roberts. Interesting. So Very that means that Jake the Snake will be battling against three other decades. Ah, oh, yes. that's. I don't know. Okay, it's your bracket, sir. It's your bracket. It is my bracket. 
I went with my heart and not with my head. So, well, hey, the heart wants what the heart wants. The heart wants what it wants. And another thing. We've got to wrap this thing up because people in my house need to go to sleep. So what do you got for this week? And another thing. No, don't apologize. Uh, I'm just... Just letting uh, our no. listeners know that we're we're hitting the pedal here <laughs> to the finish. <laughs> <laughs> we we bloviated in the early portion. Now we're gonna zip zip. So here we go. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I've talked about this show in the past. It's a podcast. How I built this uh, with Guy Raz. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, one of their episodes was with uh, someone who was kind of a, a big part of my you know college uh, life uh, in terms of you know the internet being born and kind of really uh getting into you know some some sports writing that that really uh resonated with me and and stuck with me through college through the early part of my career uh and that's bill simmons uh known as the boston sports guy known as sports guy and now uh apparently ceo of the ringer um so mm. he, he had a, a this show is the show really covers his beginnings as a sports writer all the way you know from college all the way through um you know when he became really famous on espn page two which you Used to be a thing that ESPN had back in the early uh, ages of the internet. Um, it was kind of like and, their. And, it was like the alternative. Like uh, kids yeah. remember that back in the day. Like alternative was kind of like ooh, was, yeah. Those are the kind of the bad boys. Uh, you know, it was like it was this different thing. And Bill Simmons, also Hunter S. Thompson, icon yeah, of yeah. Gonzo journalism, yep. was another one of the writers that they had. So it was really this weird thing of like, oh my gosh, this is like totally different sports writing than what you get on yep. like normal ESPN. Yeah. And, and I always enjoyed, you know, one, one of Simmons' great gimmicks was, was the mailbag where he would have like a theme mm. and he would kind of, you know, write these like faux questions and, and, and get answers from, from, you know, real answers from readers um, or no, I'm sorry. Qu- readers would send in questions. Simmons would answer the questions and there'd be kind of a theme to it and stuff. And so he would, uh, post those every once in a while he, he used to have uh, some pop culture you know driven you know articles or, or columns that he would write um, and so you know I followed him a lot you know through the 2000s um, he started um, oh my god what is the uh, it, it's a really weird name he started this thing for Grantland. Grantland, thank you. Um, you know, really, what what I didn't realize was how much he was kind of pushing the envelope with with podcasting, and you know, he started Thirty for Thirty, uh, which turned into a, a really amazing you know documentary series, and then had a falling out with ESPN, started The Ringer, and is you know kind of this this media you know kind of company now that's that's pushing um, a lot, you know podcasting, writing, and that sort of thing. So just a really interesting listen to hear about his journey, his story, and and just all the challenges that he faced and um and he has a really good conversation with guy Roz. i mean there's there's a little bit of back and forth you know some some disagreement that he has with some of Roz's statements and and it's all you know a good conversation but you know he, he really tries to bring you know the truth of what his journey was and what he went through and and you know, at no time is it is it just a dumping party on ESPN. He just kind of talks about the reality of the situation, and and you know, and, and he so and he very much admits where he could have done things differently. And so, um, so it was a really interesting listen for me. So, uh, yeah, the the Ringer episode with Bill Simmons of how I built this, uh, do check it out. And uh, uh, it it was a callback to to a time where uh, things were simpler, you know, back in the day. <laughs> Just a bit. Back when we Just all had dial-up, you know, that, that, those, oh, those yeah. are the days. 
You've got um, mail. Oh, God, don't take us back there. Back when the internet used to come in the mail. You remember that, kids? No, you don't remember that. We went through that. You can thank us now. Um, for me, I'm going with a, a movie that my wife and I watched uh, this past weekend, I believe. Yeah. Um, I'm, I can't even remember what's been going on. Um, so we, uh, we had an opportunity to just kind of sit down uh, and, and have, an, have an evening to ourselves. And so we're trying to figure out a movie, which if, you, if you're married, you know how this goes. It, it can be absolutely painful to find a movie that you can both watch and enjoy. And I managed to stumble across this one, and thankfully I did. We both really enjoyed it. It was really funny, a lot of, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Long Shot with Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen. Uh, of course, this is the story of uh, Charlize Theron is uh, Secretary of State to a president who is a former actor and is going a TV actor and now is, wants to quit the presidency and go into, you know, make the transition to movies, you know, something bigger than the president. And uh, so Seth Rogen is a uh, reporter, a writer. And the, the gimmick here is that he's a couple of years younger than Charlize and that she actually babysat for him when like she was 16, 17. He was like 13. So they, they at least closed the gap to not make it too weird. And so he's going to help her with her run for president and all that. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's funny. There's a lot of great moments in it and it's also kind of heartwarming. And, you know, as a, as a kid who grew up on the geekier, dorkier side of things, like seeing like Seth Rogen, like have a shot with Charlize Theron is kind of like it, it goes back to like my, my eighth, ninth, 10th grade self, like, Oh, maybe there's hope for me too. Sort of thing. (laughs) Um, Kind of like, you know, appealing to that inner dork, you know, that sort of thing, which is, which is cool, but it was really well-made movie, a lot of fun and kind of breezed along. Um, It didn't feel like it dragged in any spots, which is sometimes the thing that can happen with a lot of, uh, movies that kind of venture into a rom-com it's definitely not a rom-com it's a little it's more of just an out comedy for that but um yeah it, it doesn't hit that point where you're like oh god is anything gonna yeah. happen are we gonna get another montage you know that sort of thing um so definitely two thumbs up it's a, a pretty good date movie like you, you you're nice. scanning around for something to watch i definitely would give this one a shot not a long shot it's a it's a sure shot it's the ringer it's the ringer something like that all right well that is it folks it is time for us to wrap up and by uh me saying wrap up it means that the people in my home want to go to sleep so uh thank you all for tuning in we do certainly appreciate all the members of the free range idc congregation for you know just listening their their patronage if you will uh and you know what it'd be awfully nice if you'd pass the collection basket as well we could use a few shekels oh wait we don't get any money for this crap do we ever plan this badly anyways you can pay us in otherwise uh other ways and that's by subscribing and listening and uh you know saying nice things about us on the internet because well we like that so you can go to freerangeedc.com you can find all of our episodes there download them you can subscribe through the podbean app you can also find us on podcast purveyors of all kinds on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, pandora whatever that thing is that alexa does you tell alexa to play free range adc and it'll either play us or Dear God, I'm scared of what it might play, but he'll play something. <laughs> um, a whole bunch of others. Go ahead and search for us. You'll probably find us. You can also find us on the social medias. We are on the Facebook. We are on the Instagram. We are on the YouTube, which is another place you can get our full episodes if you prefer to get your podcasts on YouTube. Uh, all three of those, you can find us at Free Range Idiocy. 
you would find us on Twitter. Uh, you notice that we haven't posted in a long time. That's because we got locked out and uh, you know what? F Elon. So we're not trying to get back in anymore. Uh, you can also email us with any questions, thoughts, concerns you have. Send all those to Tim at freerangeedc.com and he'll get back to you post haste if not sooner. Now it is time for me to stop flapping my gums, well, at least as much as I am now, and hand this thing over to the less idiotic uh, idiot of the two idiots who run this show, uh, that being the man they call Tim, but not before I ask him the second most important question ever uttered by humankind. The first, of course, being what is hip? The second being, what the hell do we learn this episode? Uh, we have learned the following. Uh, oh, we, good. We have learned uh, that Uncle Todd has a 10-15 uh, uh, curfew and uh, <laughs> needs to wrap things up before then, which we will uh, do a better job of honoring. I'm getting sleepy. I'm old these days, sir. Like, I, I, can't, uh, I can't handle this rock and roll lifestyle that you're asking me to live by recording this late. I know. I know. We have also learned the man they call Tim... Does a cut rate job as a Macho Man Randy Savage impersonator. So, uh, we'll, no, we'll, we'll you're first class. First now, class, well, no. or not cut The rate. next thing we have learned is Uncle Todd is a first class Dusty Rhodes impersonator. Well, and we, we thank we you very much for some hard times. The American dream appreciates that. I, I just have to say, this whole thing with the dust to finish, you know, what I was trying to do with that, I was just trying to give the people something interesting. You know, I just don't want it. I don't want people to always be expecting that. So I, I said, you know what, dream? This is what we're going to do. The American dream is going to do this for the people. Going to do it for the people because the American people, it's hard times in the American people. You got to give them something, something unexpected that comes up and just grabs them. And, oh, like, ah! and grabs them right there. And then, then you never know what's going to happen. Is Dusty done? Is he going to let his family go to bed? <laughs> yes. They're actually really mad at me for that last promo, so I hope everyone enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, we have also learned uh, that uh, the man they call Tim and Uncle Todd are, are quite high right now on, on Picard Season 3. And, and look <laughs> hoping you're going to complete that promising. sentence. I was going to say... <laughs> You might have it. I'm self-employed. You might have a test coming up, sir. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, but but if you have not checked out Picard season three, do check it out. It is uh, it is great. You will not be disappointed, at least up through episode three thus far well, that we've seen. Uh, all that being said, uh, as Uncle Todd has mentioned, we thank you for the listenership, and as we like to close things down here on the range, so his family can go to sleep. Uh, let us. Uh, Enter into exit as we uh, say, be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another. And, well, Uncle Todd has people who need to go to sleep. we got to turn those lights out so they can get some rest, for goodness sakes. Likes to leave the lights on for some reason. Or the TV. Or the radio. I don't know. Anyways. Good day. Ooh, yeah. I took the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon, what did you say? Death stalks you at every turn! Grandpa? Well, it does! Ah, there it is! Death! It's only Maggie! <laughs> oh, yeah! You know, at my age, the mind starts playing tricks! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. So, ah! That's only the cat. Oh. Ah, death! That's Maggie again, Grandpa. Oh, where were we? Death! Get out. And don't come back until you reach.
redeemed yourselves. Did you just say enter into exit? Yes, I did. Was that a, like a verbatim quote from an Ultimate Warrior promo? <laughs> Maybe that's what I was doing. I was trying. Hulk Hogan. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we enter into exit. It, you know what? I think it is actually. It probably. <laughs> I can picture like I can picture Dusty watching that from you know down south. Like, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. He's just talking nonsense. That's all he's doing. Listening to him is hard times. I ain't hard times. That's a hard head right there. That's Roy's right there. Dusty Roy never took a steroid in his life. I wouldn't even know what a steroid is. Oh my goodness! Good old Dusty. Now a cupcake. Good old Dusty. Oh, I'd love me some cupcakes. Maybe a bear claw. Cinnamon roll is my favorite. Goodness gracious. Now get the hell out of here!